Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now when you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code DNVR, you can make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code DNVR and only at DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and on today's DNVR Rockies podcast, of course, we're going to catch up with our main man, Drew Goodman, and hear a little bit about the passing of Vin Scully, a guy who is in the same industry as Vin Scully, and spent some uh, time, some decent time with Vin in Los Angeles, in Colorado, back when Scully would still be traveling, uh, and hear about his guest this week as well, but obviously the topic of the week for the Colorado Rockies is the St. Louis Cardinals and the return of Nolan Arenado on Tuesday night. That was his first game back, not since last season's regular season series. No, it was actually the all-star game. If you remember, Colorado was the host, of course, and it was only about a week after that 4th of July series with the Cardinals that Nolan came back, tried to pump the crowd up a little bit, if you remember, when Trevor Story was in there for the home run derby and, you know, played in the game. And it was it was a nice moment. So I think it was very important last year that the uh, Cardinals series came before the All-Star game. So that wasn't the, the first awkward encounter, so to speak. But that being said, it still was very much an awkward encounter. Uh, spoke with Nolan before the game on Tuesday. And, you know, he did say that, you know, last year was essentially uncomfortable for him. You know, it was a very much a weird spot. I don't think he knew how everyone was going to react. I don't think he knew how he was going to react. And so it was not something that he really enjoyed last year, that experience. He said, you know, the fans made him enjoy it a little bit. Obviously, you know, getting a standing ovation, I think almost every single at bat, throughout that week, uh, the rather that series of games on the weekend, uh, much of that being the fact that, hey, if you weren't able to get out to the first game or the second or the third, you showed up for the fourth and, you know, you wanted to acknowledge Nolan in an appropriate way. And uh, so you stood for him. But on Tuesday night, he did not get a standing ovation, got a nice little smattering, a little surprised, actually, a little surprised it wasn't uh, a louder uh, applause for him. We'll see what happens, you know, through the rest of the series and especially on Thursday for the day game. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, Nolan was uh, he seemed like a different person, uh, very much seemed a lot calmer, a lot more at ease, like uh, his life was essentially headed in the right direction. It sounds may sound strange. Right. But uh, that that's how he sounded like. Yeah, he's he's good with life and he should be. You know, his team is in first place. We heard earlier this week from Katie Wu. He's, you know, in the process of winning his first division pennant. He's never won a division, even last year. You know, they they got in as a wild card. And so this will be the first time, you know, he'll be able to say that my team was the best team that was out on the field. And so that's obviously very important to him. You know, he gets to be around you know, his idol, Albert Pujols. That was a guy that uh, he's long looked up to for many, many years, uh, particularly, you know, when he's a kid growing up. Pools has been around forever, man. His first ever game was actually at Coors Field, believe it or not. And so, you know, he's just, he's looked up to him. Yadier Merlina, we know what he brings in the leadership role and the defensive leadership role, right? That's something that Arenado uh, really prides himself on. And Yadier Merlina is a great extension of that. And then you have Paul Goldschmidt, a player who, Nolan didn't watch from afar. He, he watched him pretty up close and personal when, whenever the Rockies would be playing the Diamondbacks. But now they're on the same team, and Nolan even says, hey, man, Paul's the MVP. It's not even close. Goldschmidt is the guy on this team. And yet it seems like Nolan's really been uh, the catalyst in a lot of ways. His RBI total is, is very far behind what Goldschmidt is doing. Uh, but Nolan you know, now has an opportunity, uh, or the ability, I should say, to, to point someone else out and say, hey, this guy is carrying the load. This guy is the leader. And I think that takes a little bit of pressure off on him. We'll see what happens in the, the coming years as some of these guys end up moving away or, or retiring naturally. But uh, Nolan very much you know, seems to be at, at peace. And 
seems to have enjoyed himself a little bit more being back at the stadium. Now, his performance was not exactly indicative of that because if you're watching the game yesterday, 16-5 to win for the Rockies. We'll get into the historics of it all because Colorado was uh, really on one here against the Cards. And in the first inning, and what should have been the final out in the first, in a ball that came off the bat of Elias Montero, he made an error, went right under his mitt on a play he should have made. And so you can't write this stuff that the guy he gets traded for hits a ball right to him and he makes an error, a guy who's had nine consecutive gold gloves, gold glove awards and five consecutive platinum glove awards. So not not a great day for Arenado in general. He did have a double. That was actually his first extra base hit uh, against the Rockies as an opponent at Coors Field. Uh, he does extend his hitting streak to seven games. Uh, did get an RBI there. Uh, and in the last seven games, he is batting 440. So he's still incredibly hot. Won the National League Player of the Week award just in time for this week and uh, possibly just in time for him to get cold. But he also misplayed two other ground balls that he would typically make that were not errors. They were hard-hit balls. They were, it, it would have requ- required uh, an extraordinary effort to get to, and he wasn't able to get to them. And those are plays that he typically does make. And so I'm sure he was kicking himself overall for just, you know, being a little bit less than he would like. Colorado, far from less than. Season high, 16 runs. Season high, 22 hits. Most runs Colorado has scored since putting up 19 back in 2018 with that high-powered offense that still had DJ LeMayhew. Still had Charlie Blackman in his prime story. Arenado Cargo was still in the mix there. Uh, most hits, those 22, uh, since 2012, April of 2012. So it's been a decade since Colorado has been able to spray the ball around. And they did it against an NL All-Star. We're, we'll, I'll get into that in just a moment. But they have a big... Third inning, nine runs, their most runs in an inning since last August. They're actually the first National League team to bat around in that capacity and score nine in an inning. Also had nine hits in the inning, their most in an inning since 2019. And it was the first time the Rockies had scored at least nine runs and recorded nine or more hits in the same inning since May of 2016. And it's actually the first time doing so in a game at Coors since 2010. So if you go to, if you got your season tickets and you're going to Rockies games, you say, hey, yeah, they can they can do that a bunch at home. Well, not like that. Over a decade since they've done that. And as I mentioned, they did it against an all-star, Miles Michaelis, one of the two staff aces for the Cardinals alongside uh, Mr. Wayno, Adam Wainwright. Now, Michaelis entered the game with a 2.92 ERA in 21 starts, and he hadn't given up a run. He rather he hadn't given up 10 runs in a month in April or June. Give up five runs in the month, month, folks, of April, nine runs in the month of June, and he gives up 10 on Tuesday night to the Colorado Rockies in under three innings, two and two-thirds innings pitch. In fact, all three of the Cardinals pitchers went two and two-thirds innings. Packy Naughton went next. Learn, I learned this in the offseason, but it, it really took hold here. Packy is a nickname. And for some reason, that's a nickname for Patrick. I had not heard that before. And I, I think there's a couple Packies on baseball reference and in baseball history. And I think they were also Patrick. So uh, that's news to me. Packy Naughton goes two and two thirds. And TJ McFarlane goes two and two thirds. And punched into the old stat head baseball reference machine and learned that kind of rare to just have three pitchers go the exact same length of of an outing right two and two thirds innings pitch so obviously it's an away team home team is winning the last time it happened sure enough was the Colorado Rockies Aaron Marquez Jesus Tinoco Yancy Almonte so there was there were so many strange things going on and, and it continues but Michaelis didn't have his stuff and his ERA went up 
58 points. He went up to 3.50, started sub three, ended mid three. It's it's wild. In seven appearances now at Coors Field, he has an ERA up in the 13s. Unbelievable. Uh, poor fella. Poor fella. But that's what happens uh, in front of 34,000 screaming fans that, yes, yeah, some of them might be Cardinals fans. But a lot of them, I think, are Cardinals and Rockies fans. I'm talking with people around the ballpark. You know, a lot of them said, you know, there, there's been times where they show up you know, with the Cardinals jersey on, and if they're not doing well, they'll take it off and say, "All right, I'm going to kind of root for the Rockies." And uh, and we've seen that before. We've we've seen Cardinals fans be respectful. In fact, Ryan Feltner, we'll, we'll get to his outing here in a moment. When he came off the mound, you know, there are a couple people that that uh, gave him a standing ovation. Now his his stat line certainly did not suggest that, but in a in a game in which there were so many runs scored, he actually did really well to kind of minimize the damage. And there were people. Uh, behind the third base dugout, behind the Cardinals dugout in Cardinals gear that were standing up and uh, applauding this young man for really keeping things calm, uh, a little under wraps for a game that was wild, really wild out the gate. And what's not wild is the consistency. No, we we were always consistent at the DNVR. uh, And so is our prices. Hey, 50 cents for your first month to be a member at the DNVR com and you can get some great insight and exclusives from Hank Chisholm and Zach Stevens. You can get it on the Av side, of course, from Jesse Montano, Megan Angley, who's writing about the World Juniors here, some of the Avalanche players that are, are doing their thing with that, not to mention A.J. Hayfley, who wrote a fantastic article about how challenging it is right now to be a Rockies fan and you can actually see that on the Rockies side of things, not to mention, of course, what everything that Harrison Wynn does on the Nuggets side. So you get all that for 50 cents for your first month, plus all kinds of discounts on uh, Broncos tailgates, which are coming up this weekend. You get a free shirt from dnvrlocker.com. If you have an annual membership, you get that member-sized beer. When you're down at the DNVR bar, we are set to open very soon, maybe later this month. You'll have to wait to find out, but you can certainly try to get a little more intel from us in the members-only Discord where you have some great conversations with everyone in our community. And you don't have to worry about politics or a-holes or anything like that. And you also don't have to worry about missing out on the Nuggets and the Avalanche. Yes, you can actually get Altitude Sports now in your home. You can get it with Ivaca TV. Ivaca.tv slash DNVR is where you need to head no matter where you're at in the Rocky Mountain region, Denver, Colorado Springs, Phoenix, even Idaho, you can get the Nugs and the Abs. Go to Ivaca.tv slash DNVR. You get the Rapids, Mammoth. You also get the Colorado Rockies, believe it or not. Yeah, you get AT&T Sportsnet. You also get the DNVR Sports Channel that you would typically see over on YouTube. You can get it now in your home at Ivaca.tv slash DNVR. Also make sure you're using code DNVR. So you can get an extra $10 off your first three months. Otherwise, we're talking $25 per month plus the cost of the receiver. Your price gets locked in two years. And never worry again about missing out on your nuggets and your abs because it's going to be another one of those seasons where the postseason is where it's all going to come down to. It's all going to be on the line. So join the ride. Stick around for the whole thing with Ivaca TV. Breckenridge Brewery, the hometown craft beer of the Colorado Avalanche, is still doing their damn thing with the Avalanche Ale and, and the historic run to the Stanley Cup. Man, they were giving away tickets and swag to folks all throughout the playoffs. Even the finals, they were giving away their very own tickets to you and now help them out with the drink of the year. We're supposed to say it's the drink of the season, but I think by this point we know it's the drink of the year because the Avs are the team of the year. It's the Avalanche Ale by Breckenridge Brewery. Head to breckbrew.com and find out a little bit more about some of the products that Breck Brew has. Now more on the offensive side for the Rockies during that 16-5 to win on Tuesday. Can't can't stop talking about it and thinking about how how wild it was. The key players in the game, there were, there were several. CJ Crone started it off with a three-run homer in the first. His 23rd of the season. Are we confident now with 23 
and about eight weeks left in the season, he can get to 30. It, it seems like he's right there, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to get 30. Obviously, we hope that's the case, but he's going to need to maybe get another one, another two before they leave Colorado this week. They've got Arizona this weekend. Then they go to St. Louis just for a three-game series, and then they're home for five. Yes, that's strange, five. Three against San Francisco, then an off day on Monday, August 22nd, and then two against the Rangers. So he's got an opportunity to pad his stats a little bit. Then adds a two-run double in the third to cap a five-RBI night. He now has 79 RBI. Are we confident that he gets to 100? Still needs 21 more. I almost feel like that might be more feasible. I feel like that might be more feasible. We haven't seen a 30-100 season since Nolan in 2019. We saw the birthday boy, Brendan Rodgers, break out in a really big way. He was four for five with singles in his first four at-bats. Also added a walk, which was really nice. I did ask Buddy about Brendan. You know, anytime you have a four-hit game, that's great. But for a guy who's hitting third in your lineup uh, and is, is playing so incredibly well, any concern at all about those hits, you know, not, not being for power, not being extra bases? You know, I don't think you want to swap out any of those hits for a, a deep fly ball to left center field. Obviously not. But, you know, what Buddy pointed out, which was excellent, and, and what I was hoping to hear was those were single pitches. Those were pitches that were, you know, they were on the block. They were on the corners. And, you know, he did with the pitch what he could. And so it makes sense that, you know, other teams are pitching Brendan really hard right now. And for him to have gotten a single out of some of those pitches where they were located – I actually think that's really, really a solid uh, of a performance here on Tuesday. It's actually the first four-hit game by a Rocky on their birthday ever. Yes. Birthday games are important. They're very important. First four-hit game by a Rocky on their birthday. Only the 67th player ever to actually record four hits on their birthday. First since Trey Turner of last year. The guy with the MVP chain, though, wasn't Crone. Wasn't Rogers. Those those two games alone, you say, yeah, it's got to be one of those two guys. Maybe it's Brian McMahon who launched a home run estimated to have been 495 feet into the second deck. Second longest measured this season. Jesus Sanchez had that first one for the Marlins in the upper deck there off of Ryan Feltner. It's the fourth longest in course history and the longest home run by a Rocky in the stat cast era that goes back to 2015. No, it wasn't Ryan McMahon. It was Randall Grichik. You got your MVP chain for the team. Five hits, including a home run, three RBI. It was the first five-hit game of his career. And speaking with him after the game, we were all a little bit shocked and reflective when he said, it was his first game ever against the Cardinals, against the, the team that first gave him an opportunity. Now, he was drafted by the Angels, but was traded pretty early on to St. Louis. But that was where he came up and became a big leaguer for a few years and, and even gave him um, a little extension. I think I think it was, he was still with St. Louis before he had been traded to Toronto. So for him to do it in his first game against Toronto, he's been with he was with the Blue Jays for four seasons. You say... They wouldn't have played at least once. Well, they probably were scheduled to play in 2020. And again, because of the pandemic, the schedule changed a whole bunch. We also know St. Louis did go to Toronto recently uh, because there were a couple unvaccinated players who didn't play there. So uh, that was finally the time to come back around. But that was really cool for him to be there and, and you know see his, his former team. There was even someone in the Cardinals clubhouse. I don't think I'm speaking out of school when. You know, on the MLB network, things are going on. Guys are just talking and say, ah, Jason uh, Hayward, why uh, why are they already announcing that he's no longer going to be with the team if there's still some time left? And so we talked about that. And uh, this player said, hey, maybe we get Hayward back. Maybe we get Randall Gritchick back. And so this, uh, this player on the Cardinals, I thought that was kind of interesting to say, all right, they could have some reunions with Hayward, who's going to be a free agent after – this season when the Cubs cut him loose, he'll still get paid quite well by the Cubs in 2023. But Randall Gritchick, not a free agent, still uh, has one more year left 
on his deal. Uh, I, I highly doubt that this player has a direct line to John Mozeliak to say, hey, let's get Randall Gritchick back. But he is very well liked, much like he is in the Rockies clubhouse. He's still very much cared for by the Cardinals clubhouse and Cardinals fans. Now, Gritchick's five-hit game. Again, this is all part of the you-can't-make-this-stuff-up business. First Rocky with five hits in a game since 2017, since Nolan Arenado. Can't make that up. Last guy to do it is the guy who's here, back again. So that's so wild. Richard's just, he's been scorching hot since the All-Star break. 389 batting average, on-base percentage over 400. 16 run scores in 18 games since the break. He's been he's been really solid. Mr. Gritchie has been solid. Hey, Elias Montero, two hits. Elias Diaz, two hits, two doubles. And Ryan Feltner earns the win in five and two-thirds innings pitch. Did give up five runs on four hits for a while there. I think through the first three innings, he had only given up one hit. Uh, that included a, you know, the top of the fourth where he had been sitting in that dugout for a good half an hour while the Rockies are scoring nine runs, while the Cardinals have a pitching change going on. You know, Feltner's got to stay warm, and that was something he said, you know, he, he probably could have done a little bit better of a job with, uh, and he's going to have to go going forward, you know, because there's going to be those beginnings, but uh, a good learning lesson for him and, and in general, you know, did a nice job really limiting the damage in a lot of different ways. First win since uh, May. May 2022. Also want to point out to Nelson Lamette made his Rockies debut, struck out two in his first of two scoreless innings, then put two aboard, but was able to escape. You know, he's kind of bounced around and, you know, really uh, had an unfortunate last 10 days or so, you know, uh, getting some solid ground underneath him. So he seemed to be all smiles there after getting that final out. Also want to point out the, the ceremony on Tuesday. It seemed very tasteful. Robert Pujols and Yadier Molina, the gift that they received was a piece of that manual scoreboard, the out-of-town scoreboard. Both men got the STL, and then on the back, there was uh, numerous career highlights on the back of that slate. So I thought that was kind of a, a pretty classy move. Uh, also, you know, got a couple nights stay at the Broadmoor Hotel. You know, you knew there was going to be some kind of advertising partner or something tied in there. But I thought it was really nice, you know, just just very well done. Not too much, not too little to acknowledge these great players. So uh, for anyone that was there for that, you know, that was really neat. We've got some clips over on uh, DNVR underscore Rockies on Twitter. It was cool being down on the field and getting to see that up close and personal. That was, uh, that was really neat. Uh, also neat to see too. Again, you can see a lot of this over on Social media, both our account and elsewhere, you had a couple of minor league promotions, which a big deal right now at this time of the year with a little bit more than a month left. Getting guys' feet wet, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that, hey, if the player moves up a level now, that means naturally they're going to start next year up one more level. Doesn't exactly work like that, but it could, could mean that it does expedite the player's clock so michael tolia was the the first promotion again big shout out to kenneth weber k dub 1988 on twitter doing some amazing things with his partner justin wick for purple row and we talked about it on yesterday's podcast just a little bit that michael tolia would be getting called up to triple a you know he's already the home run king in hartford with his 23 homers and now with grant levine also there uh, him getting promoted, you know, he needs a little bit of playing time. And so, you know, Atolia has already kind of done what he can, and he needs to cut down on his strikeouts a lot. But sometimes at, at the end of the day, you need just a change of, of location. You need a change in setting just to try to kickstart a couple things. So Tolia gets promoted to Albuquerque and in his first game has two hits, goes two for four with a single and his first home run at AAA. You like to see that the first baseman who has some gold glove caliber potential there. Now, some of us really thought that you could see him late this season. I don't think that's going to happen now at this point since he's just getting called up. I think even if you catch lightning in a bottle, it might be you know somewhat hard-pressed to see him late in the year, but it's not an impossibility. 
Albuquerque did win that game uh, against Sacramento. Or rather, no, it was against Reno, the Diamondbacks AAA club. They won 4-3, all solo home runs. And they won it with a walk-off by Sean Bouchard, another guy that's somewhat of a first baseman, you know, can play third base, corner outfield spot. So Rockies are getting a little bit cluttered there on the corners. You know, that that could be a strength, right? You could have an opportunity to swing a trade during the offseason. But uh, as we've been talking about, the Rockies don't typically do those kind of things via trade, uh, which is unfortunate. You know, I did suggest in the offseason that with there being a lot of corner infielders that you might as well move one of them to get some value, to extract some kind of value out of that depth and deal a guy like a Colton Welker. That didn't happen, and Colton Welker was just lost outright uh, to the San Francisco Giants, and so you got nothing for that asset that you poured a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into. And so not sure what will happen this offseason. I don't think Tolio will be a part of those uh, discussions for a trade, but maybe a guy like Bouchard. Certainly don't think that's going to be the case with El Harris Montero. Probably not with CJ Crone. We've already been down that road with him not being traded at the deadline, but maybe in the offseason, just maybe something like that could happen. The other big promotion that we had on Tuesday night, Zach Veen goes up to double A without his buddy Drew Romo, but that's okay. Drew Romo, again, has a lot of defensive stuff that he needs to work on behind the play. He's ahead of the trend. He's ahead of the curve. No no doubt about it. But, man, preparing a catcher for the big leagues is is a lot. It is a lot. But Veen makes his debut for the Yard Goats at double A. Singles was batting second for the Yard Goats. And, boy, he looked absolutely amplified. Coming around first base on that single. Trying to stretch a... Ho-hum single, like it was nothing more, nothing less than a single. And he was firing around first base, very much amped up to reach double A. So you hope that he can put together a a really solid final few weeks up there in uh, Hartford in double A in the Eastern League. And then maybe depending on how well that goes, the Rockies will start him next year in triple A. Now that would be a bit of a challenge for him. Not in a bad way, but just sometimes you got to challenge players, right? We know about Joe Rock, you know, skipping low A, going right up to high A. We know about Carl Kaufman being challenged last year at double A. And, you know, he met that challenge. The numbers were not pretty, but we're seeing that growth now this year in the second year. So, you know, this promotion to double A really now, I think in a way, changes Bean's trajectory or his path to the majors and his timeline just a little bit to say, maybe, just maybe, we could see him at Coors Field by the second half of 2023. Tovar should be there by that point. You hope his groin injury gets taken care of, and he's in a much better position in general to maybe get back on the field so he can pick up where he left off. But health is such a huge piece of these players' development. As we know, I mean, look at Ryan Rawlson. He's still yet to have made his major league debut after being drafted in 2019 and a lot of that has to do with just unfortunate luck so many other guys sam weatherly chris mcmahon you know hell chris Oliveira is a guy who came on the scene scene in spring training in 2021 and you know injuries will kind of derail a, a career and it just takes some time brendan rogers even to a degree so it is exciting to think that maybe in a best case scenario we do see zach veen in august or september at coors field in 2023. Also, shout out to Will Etheridge, who also was promoted to double A. Made his first start with the Yargoats on Tuesday. Four scoreless frames. And I can't frame my day as well as I would like if I don't start it out with a scoop of athletic greens and a scoop of the 75 high quality vitamins, whole foods, sourced superfoods, probiotics, minerals, adaptogens. You name it, it starts my day off right. And you can get yourself a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash ROC. Again, athleticgreens.com slash ROC to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And if you need to ensure that you've got the best man cave or you've got the best place, 
to watch the big game, whatever it may be, you got to head over to foco.com, F-O-C-O.com, not only for some of their gear that they've got, but the really cool bobbleheads they've got going on with the Nikola Jokic MVP bobblehead, Joe Sackick Stanley Cup bobblehead, they've got Rocky City Connect bobbleheads. You'll load up your shelves, make sure it looks awesome, and make sure that when you go to foco.com, you use promo code DNVR for 10% off all non-pre-sale items. Well, joining us as he does each and every week, voice of the Colorado Rockies for AT&T Sportsnet, as well as the host of the Drew Goodman podcast. It's Drew Goodman. Drew, how are you holding up in this, these dog days of summer, so to speak, in August? Well, after last night, because uh, as you and I sit and do this, Rockies exploded for 16 runs and they got uh, nine on nine hits in the third inning. That was a... Uh, a much needed they need wins we know that but that was a much needed laugher so you know puts a little bounce in your step today because it was a fun ball game to do last night but you and i were just bsing out on the field it's hot out there we could we could see some runs again this evening very much could yeah it was a return of nolan arenado first time since last year first time since the all-star game actually and uh you know he he seems very comfortable i mean you're there in the dugout and and listening to him talk and answering those questions, some easier than others, but just seems very much at ease and, and at comfort now with his position here in his second season in St. Louis. I'm glad you used that term because earlier today I was thinking about, you know, how he handled yesterday and he did a great job. And Nolan, you know this, Patrick, Nolan hates doing that shit. He, he does <laughs> not like doing it. And But he did it really well. He knows it's part of what comes with the territory um, and so I, I don't want to say he looks like he's enjoying himself because it's a grind to Nolan. But the word that I thought of is the one you just used, and, and he looks more comfortable. And and he was very honest because he said last year was was difficult. Whatever he may have uttered about, oh, this is great, he, he now a year later – owned up that it, it was difficult making the transition. Um, so, yes, I think the, the word you used is, is really apropos. I, I do think he's a lot more comfortable. And the numbers bear that out. Yeah, some people online, you know, maybe took a slight offense to what he said about not enjoying it last year. But the part that I, I, I think and I hope most fans really take away is the idea that the fans actually helped him enjoy it somewhat. It was obviously very difficult for him, difficult for the fans, but a standing ovation each and every night actually allowed him to enjoy some of it because for him it was, you know, there was a lot of turmoil for him and this organization and in the building, so to speak, but the fans actually did help him, you know, enjoy it a little bit more than that. So, you know, that was kind of my biggest takeaway from that that part uh, right there at the early going in our conversation. I'm going to fire a question right back at you because you and I haven't talked about this particular right. element yet. It was an overwhelming response, a positive response a year ago when he came back to Coors Field. And yesterday I paused. I said, you know, here comes Nolan. I, I laid out because I, I certainly didn't expect the same sort of embrace that he got a year ago first time. Um, but I, I expected actually a little – I expected more than what he got. It was almost like, in a, you know, the obligatory, oh, yeah, he played for the Rockies, and it was more than a golf <laughs> clap, but it, but it certainly wasn't rousing. I don't remember seeing anybody stand. And I was a little surprised, and so I'm giving you my reaction, but I'm asking you in the same breath, were you surprised that it, that it wasn't a little greater than it was yesterday in round two? 100%. Because in that moment, Feltner kind of – you know, took the walk around the back of the mound just a little bit, and you go, okay. And by the time he had already <laughs> had turned his back to home plate, the claps had already died down, and Nolan saw Feltner behind the mound. He said, okay, let me step out. Everyone was done clapping at that point, and it was a real non-moment. So I did think that was a bit strange. I didn't think he was going to get that standing ovation like he did in the first at-bat of all four games last year. But I did thought, think that was you know, pretty interesting, especially as many Cardinals fans are here as well on top of that. Yeah, I, I that was one of my takeaways of last night. I was like, wow. It was like, well, you know, he's been gone for eight years and they're just, yeah, we remember him, but, you know. <laughs> so that, that, that was interesting. And then you made mention of this again you, earlier when we were hanging out. There's, a, I guess, a bit of irony in that Montero rolls one to third base and Nolan, who's the greatest third baseman I think most people have ever seen, I mean, just whiffed on it. He didn't bury his head on, on the baseball and it just goes under his glove, which for him, I don't want to call it routine because it's still going to be a, a, a tougher play, 
But for him, we've seen him make that play, you know, a thousand times. So uh, that was, I guess, interesting and uh, emblematic of the evening that the Cardinals ultimately had. There, I thought there were two other plays that were typical Nolan kind of plays that he didn't make. So I thought that was interesting. As we start off by saying he's at ease, and yet he's you know playing maybe a little bit tight uh, in the in the ball game there on Tuesday. So that was interesting. We'll see if Corey Dickerson you know gets a, a louder applause. We'll have to get the Richter scale out, uh, see how many decibels, and, and compare those two uh, uh, pregame uh, at bats uh, before they step into the box. But you mentioned uh, Montero, man, getting a lot of playing time. Buddy talked about him down at the ballpark uh, before Wednesday's game, and you know defense is the one area he's got to step up, but he's doing all the right things at the plate right now and, and really rewarding the Rockies for for playing him and, and rewarding the fans because the fans want to see this young man. He's been delivering. Well, I, I said this on my podcast that, that comes out on Thursday. You know, you covered the team as close as anyone out there. And when you're in transition, which the Rockies are, you can call it whatever you want, but they're in transition. They're not a playoff club. They're not close to a playoff club right now. Uh, They have some pieces, but you want to get excited about guys that can help you down the road. And that's not to say like the Ryan McMahons of the world aren't going to help you, the Brendan Rodgers. Brendan's having a terrific year as as long as you exclude April, right? And Max coming on. So I'm not trying to be disrespectful to them and where they are in their career because they're they're certainly early prime um, in, in their career. But to watch Montero, who's part of the beginning of the next generation, and to see how well he's doing in this small snapshot, that's exciting. That really is exciting. And I asked him, I'm going to talk about this on the air tonight. I I asked him, was he a little more nervous playing the Cardinals, the organization he, you know, was raised in, if you will. And he said, no, not really. And, you know, the, the game that he played last night and how he swung the bat supports what he said, that he really wasn't. He was excited to play him and let's go. Yeah, he's got that low heart rate. Uh, talked also before the game that, you know, a couple guys, you know, he knows over there. He played ball with Nolan Gorman and, and Lars Newbar. So, I mean, he's got some familiarity with those guys. Grichik, another former Cardinal, going out there. We even saw, you know, Adam Wainwright coming out early to do some working out. And who's he standing next to in the outfield? Uh, Austin Gomber. So a lot, of, a lot of connections between these two organizations. Yeah, uh, there are. There really are. And... There's there's historic connections in that Albert's in the lineup tonight. Albert got his first major league hit against the Rockies. Uh, I thought the Rockies did a really nice job of honoring before the game Tuesday, Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols. Um, I think that's special. It's one of the great things about baseball that even if a guy didn't play for you, you're going to take time to celebrate somebody else's greatness. Um, you know, Miguel Cabrera, we got to witness that. It, it was in Detroit. Uh, but the Rockies historically have really done a nice job of honoring uh, other guys in the game, even if they never wore uh, a Rockies uniform. There are certain teams that come to town, you know this, Patrick, you're here every night, where there's a little more buzz. And there was quite a bit more buzz last night with the Cardinals being in town, not just because of the presence of Nolan and, and Albert's last go-round in particular, Yachty's last go-round, but the Cardinals have won seven in a row. Cardinals are playing really good baseball. Cardinals had overtaken Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, the Rockies Tuesday night put together a really good ball game, and, and you know, you hope that, um, you know, it, it – continues that trend you know over the next couple of days i I said on twitter you have one team who's seven and oh first place in their division and is not the team that's winning 12 nothing so that was uh it was a shocker. It was it was a good good way to start off. Miles Michaelis saw his ERA skyrocket. It was uh it was a good day. Good day for Brendan Rogers, the birthday boy too. I know you'll like one of these fun facts. First Rocky to have four hits on their birthday. Helton Helton did it once. He had a three-hit day uh, on his birthday. I think he might have hit two home runs one year on his birthday. But first four-hit game by Rocky on their birthday. Do with that what you will. <laughs> so I can't remember half the damn things I say. Um, it's probably a good thing. I believe I ran that out last night. I, I think Dougie uh, handed me that note that he's the first guy on his birthday to have a four-hit day. And 
Um, I'll share this with the audience later, but historically, uh, Brennan told me he's not played well on his birthday, so he was happy <laughs> as crap that he got just one hit, much less he ended up with, with three more. So uh, it was it was a good birthday for a good 26th birthday for uh, Brennan Rogers. You mentioned the celebration and the honoring of Pujols and Molina. In the last week, we lost a, a great one in, in Vince Scully. The news came out actually right after uh, we recorded last week's episode and uh, you on your podcast last week with Ryan Spielberg. So you both, you know, talked about, you know, Vince Scully a little bit and what, you know, he's he's meant to baseball. I think for for me growing up on the East Coast, I, I, I didn't get as much Vince Scully actually as I think a lot of other people out here West, out West. And um, that was one of the first things that I, I immediately, you know, snapped to when I moved to Colorado I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Vince Scully, I started to appreciate him a lot more because I had more opportunities, right? More bites at the apple and just listened to him more and more and thought, man, okay, every game is an opportunity to learn something from him about the craft and the way he would lay out of things and just the way he would tell stories over the course of an at-bat. And it was – it was. I think we've discussed it before. It's almost like it could be its own podcast. Like you just – hey, just listen to the game or cut out certain at-bats and certain chunks and segments because the way he would go about a broadcast was just so incredibly unique it was unique in that even you know through his 67th year i love saying that <laughs> 67 years of doing anything Can you imagine 67 years you're a carpenter or 67 years you're a school teacher or 67 years uh you're an electrician or uh, an attorney 67 years you may have triggered a couple of teachers. They just went back to school. Don't I don't want right. any of our teachers that listen to the podcast think about teaching for 67 years, but continue with your point. I mean, good Lord. <laughs> but even in his 67th year, Patrick, he was doing it by himself. Mm-hmm. And so he would have to weave even more stories. We all, I say we all, as, as major league broadcasters, uh, whether it's Danny Mack down the hall with, with St. Louis and Ricky Horton, who's with him right now, or me and Spilly and me and Huey and Sully involved, we have each other. We can we can tell stories and and have ongoing conversations. When you're by yourself, you're having you know a solo conversation, and your conversation is with all the people listening at home or listening in their car when he when he was on the radio and was simulcast. Even at the end, first three innings of Dodger baseball. I don't know if you know this, Patrick. Were simulcast radio and television through Vin's last season. That's how important it was for the Dodger faithful that on television and on, and, and the first three innings on radio would be simulcast. Um, so he, you've heard me say this, you've heard me tweet this, he's the best there's ever been. Um, I'm not alone in thinking that. There's millions who think that. He's, he's going to be the greatest 100 years um, from now, it's the voice, it's the command of the language, it's the vocabulary, it's even with the wonderful vocabulary and as well read as he was, he never talked down to anyone. And uh, obviously, I got to know him, and he was a very inviting, warm, uh, inclusive treasure. And the people who never got the luxury of getting to know him, felt that as well. What a unique, unique skill. And, you know, you couple all of those other traits, and I left out a million of them, and the voice was just, it was marvelous. It was. I, I thought the show last week also was was marvelous because, again, you got a Southern California kid and Ryan Spielberg's there to talk about, you know, his reflections on, on Vince career. Have you ever had to do a game solo before? I mean, like you said, there's such a there's a team. So well, I'm, I'm not when I'm with, with Spilly. Am I not doing it solo? That's a shot at Spilly, and he can't even respond, which is a beautiful thing. So um, uh, figuratively, yes, every time I'm with Spilly, but literally, I'm kidding. Uh, literally, uh, no, no. I mean, he's never been like, oh my gosh, somebody's really sick all of a sudden, and they had to depart, and you got the last four innings. No, fortunately, not. Yeah. Could be interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, if, if you're listening to this, at Spilly Goat on Twitter, reach out to him. We could use another subscriber. We can use another yeah. download. Yeah. Why not? Absolutely. Hey, did you see what Goodman said about you on yeah. the DNVR Rockies podcast? Yeah, he's used to that. Uh, he's used to that. <laughs> last uh, thing, this week's show, Dave Magadan. He's a guy, again, we were talking about this, like 
kind of kind of quiet, you know, uh, not too much is known really about the Rockies coaches. I mean, I think that's probably typical, right? right. Uh, for any situation, right? You know, the manager, but not the coaches. Dave Magnus had one hell of a career, both as a player and as a coach. Dave's an interesting guy. Well, and we have a great conversation, if I say so myself, but it, because he played 16 years, Patrick, in the big leagues, and he could really hit. And he was a big guy that didn't hit home runs. So we talk a little bit about that. We talk about the evolution of hitting. We also talk about, you know, he's, he's been a hitting instructor for a number of teams. He's a real even keel guy. And we also talk about when he came up, which was late in the year, September call up with the 1986 Mets, which, and I say this not just because we followed them growing up, but historically, they're one of those teams that you kind of have to be aware of in baseball history and baseball lore. They won 108 games during the regular season. They were fortunate that they got a, one of the biggest errors in the history of October took place that enabled them to win game six out of nowhere. And then, of course, they came from behind and won game seven against the Red Sox. Uh, it was a great team. There's a story in there also that I'm going to tease because that's what you're supposed to do. Um, for all those people who want to listen to my podcast. <laughs> There's a story in there, Patrick, you're going to love about World Series rings and how they were distributed and some guys who were omitted. And I'll just leave it at that because you're going to come away going, wow, that's one hell of a story. Maybe I'll listen. I don't know. Yeah, I, I haven't no, decided yet. You're my yet. first listener, dude. Come on. I'm thinking about it. Maybe. I don't know. That was a decent tease. Yeah, that's the weird thing. I've, I feel like I've heard random stories over time when you win a World Series. You just assume if you played one game, you're going to get a ring or some sort. But that's that's not always true. No. I Well, you know, it's not it, – it, for one of your pieces, it's probably an interesting topic. And I don't usually pay attention to such things, or but even rings – what you do hear about is, okay, how are um, the shares split? You know, if somebody was up for 30 games, you know, do they get a full share if a team wins the World Series? Or do they give them a half a share? Do they give them a quarter share? I mean, it's really kind of fascinating how they do it because it's voted on um, by the players that were there all year. And that includes, you know, clubhouse manager. He'll usually get a full share, trainers, all that. But then you, you start breaking it down even further and they – you know, they can do anything they want. They can give an eighth of a share. They can give a quarter share. And, and a lot of times they try to take care of a, a number of support staff. But there's also the players that were, hey, what about that dude? He had like 22 at-bats, but he hit the walk-off homer to beat so-and-so. You know, that's a pretty big moment. But, you know, he wasn't here much. So there, there's a lot of uh, kind of wild things that take pay, place behind the scenes that, that most of the time people never hear about or, or it's never reported upon. I feel like you, you need a team historian to go in and say, okay, here's what you might be missing. Because what if someone doesn't remember that big walk-off home run yeah. for the 22 at-bats, then all of a sudden he doesn't get a share and that you know that could be a problem. But then again, there's a reason why you're probably not here in the first place and why you don't get a vote. Yeah, and, and it's also we had some we had an interesting conversation about how young players are – embraced now versus how young players maybe were embraced 35 years ago there are some differences yeah i wrote something about that a month ago or something about that about major league debuts and you know jake bird came up and what they do now to, to celebrate them you know even the rockies clubhouse in particular and and that wasn't necessarily a thing where i think Julius chastine said yeah you know pitch my first game and that was it like it was Whatever. It's like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. And now there's more of a, of a focus on it because who knows? You could get sent back down. And that was literally it. So you know what? Let's let's have these guys enjoy this this moment a little bit more. Yeah, it's, it's like in um, royal families, the children were to be seen and not heard, right? Um, yeah, different, different yeah. Back, back in the day. But Dave Magadan is a is an interesting guy and he's a baseball lifer and he comes from famous stock it's a famous family and i know you're looking at me quizzically right now and go, wait a second who is he related to so oh gonna... i do know i remember okay well, i won't spoil it. did you mention it on the sh do you mention it 
We talk about it, but okay. we'll tease that as well. I, I won't say, but yeah, because that was one of the first things. It was weird because when he was hired by the Rockies, obviously I wanted to talk to him about his career, but I also was like, hey, you got a couple of stories about, that I think your cousin. Yeah. They're cousins, right? Yeah, they're cousins, and <laughs> but they're very close. And in fact, that person's his godfather. And wow. that person's one of the great characters of the game for for a significant period of time, not only as a player, but ultimately once he moved on beyond play. Yeah, great. I'm doing a good job teasing. This is very good, yes. <laughs> Just the whole show on tease. Yeah, great uh, and a really good solid career. Solid career as a manager too. So, okay, all right. Now, I'm going to listen now. You've convinced yeah. me, Drew. You've teased me into yeah. it. Yeah, but uh, honestly, I think – for people, they don't get to know Mags well, and maybe even some of the you know people who cover the team don't know him as well. And he's an he's an interesting guy, and he's a he's a really good guy. I mean, he's he's a guy that's impossible uh, not to like, and he has I think a thankless job. I think all hitting coaches and pitching coaches, for the most part, unless you're the, unless you're Mark Pryor and he's a pitching coach for the Dodgers, none of those guys are ever appreciated because it's always like, oh these. No, they haven't. They scored four runs the last ten days. The hitting coach sucks. Look, the ERA six over the last ten days. The pitching coach sucks. You know, you're just always wearing it, right? Yeah. If if your players are making out seven out of ten times, you did a great job. You don't even control that. At least for a hitter, they are the one where the result you know stands with, but not so much as a coach. So, all right, you've convinced me. I think you've convinced a lot of people. Dave Maganin drops. Today, make sure you download the Drew Goodman podcast anywhere you download podcasts. Make sure you're following Drew Goodman at Drew Goodman 42. Obviously, you're getting all of the wonderful Rockies content over on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter. Make sure you're also following Susie Hunter at the Susie Hunter on Twitter. A lot of momentum here now going into this series with the Diamondbacks. We'll be back on Thursday for a post-game show in studio. My first time in the new studios that we've got. So that's going to be exciting. Hopefully we've got another Rockies win to discuss. But hey, you know what they truly say about momentum? It's only as good as your next show. So we'll talk to you then.